Wait, excuse me, what? Your kids. Because, you know, what happened to them. Well, we know we know what happened to two of them. Exactly. So, and there's no more than those two that we we think happened that didn't yeah. happen. You remember that story, right, Sam, about the girl that, that claimed that he got her pregnant and with twins that she aborted? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like that happened a while ago, right? Oh, oh yes. It was like eight, seven or eight years ago. But it was it's, it's a story we still like to tell every so often because it's it's insane. Yeah, there's no other way of saying it. Yeah, it's insane. No. Yeah. yeah. She had me a pregnant, and then the twins is where the, her story fell apart. Yeah, that's where it unraveled. I don't think you can know you have twins after like two weeks. It was four, I think, but... Was it four? Yeah, I mean, but... You, well, maybe you could. I don't no, know. I, no. I don't know the, you know. I think it's more like six, seven weeks, somewhere eight weeks, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Even so. Either way, her story unraveled. That was the It point. did indeed. So how was everyone's Memorial Day weekend? This Or bank holiday for some. Um, mine was delightful. I didn't know it was Memorial Day until Saturday morning. Okay. Um, didn't, cause technically speaking, you know, it is the earliest that Memorial Day can possibly be. Uh-huh. So I just didn't even really, it didn't, cause you know, it's always, it's the last Monday of the month and we're one day, it's one day off it being next weekend. The right. 31st is on Sunday. So that this is literally the earliest it can possibly be. But uh, I saw a lot of things in stores like, you know, beer setups with American flags. I didn't put two and two together. Well, I mean, it's May. It's like always the end well, of yeah. May. Well, yeah, I, mean... I, thought that, that's, I, thought it was, I thought it was next week. I thought it was next week. It's like, well, it's... When there's no schedule going on, you know, it's kind of hard to, like, realize what holidays and stuff are. Like, because I, I, like, have to look at my um, phone to see what actual day it is. Oh, yeah. yeah. Even though I'm working and stuff, like, I have to, because there's a lot of documents that I have to date, and I'm like, what, what's today again? Like, every day. Oh, yeah. That's it, not, not, this, this has been me for the last uh, five, four, four months. Oh, four. probably longer than that now. Uh, Yeah, maybe. You're not watching TV. The TV it's used just, to be the best schedule yeah, keeper. Yeah, it, it was, you know, I'd know the day based on whatever, if, you know, if there was a, what show there was that night, but now I don't do that. Um. It did when I was out on the lake this weekend. It did. It did look more crowded. So I I realized pretty quickly that it was it was more wild. Uh, so you actually went to a lake. Uh, the Ozarks, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so you, did you did you hop in I was the pool? In Party Cove. Party Cove. Is that why you look a little tanner? Uh, yeah, yeah. Out in the, a lot of sun. There actually is uh, a place on the lake of the Ozarks called Party Cove. I don't know if that was specifically where that video was taken, but there is a Party Cove, which is disgusting. I think anything involving a pool and a bunch of people in the pool for a party is disgusting. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, like we were like, you know, the, those Vegas pool parties. Oh. And then Sam, Sam, do you remember when we went to, to um, what was it, uh, Palm Springs a few years ago for um, what's his name's birthday? And we stayed at that, uh, the Saguaro. The, the what was it, the well I call it the saguaro but then Josh always yells at me that it's saguaro but I still call it the saguaro. That's uh, how it's spelled. It's yes, but evidently the G is uh, not pronounced or not said. Yeah. So, but yeah, but I remember that they had one of those day daytime pool parties on a Saturday, and the pool was so gross. It was like cloudy from a combination of spill, uh, sunscreen, uh, booze that people spilled into the water, and just whatever other liquids they're oozing into the water it's disgusting so many levels of wrong yeah yeah 
and people are doing it on a pandemic. We were, like before we got going, or you hopped in, Sam. We were talking about like what other areas in Arizona popped up. Of course, Florida is running strong, and I happened to drive down Huntington by Huntington Beach this weekend, and I was like, no one was wearing masks. There were two people, maybe at most, and I'm just like, eh, no one gives a shit down in Orange County. Well, I feel like there's a lot less people wearing masks in general, even in LA. Like, yes, people have gotten kind of just. I mean, I know it's annoying, and it's you know, it's hard to breathe and everything. But, like, how often are you really going out? Like, I'm not going out that often, so I don't mind wearing it for, like, a very short amount of time, you know? And it's one of those things where, like, you just have to be polite. You don't want – like, I don't want people's germs by any means, but I don't want to give people germs either. Right. So it's yeah. – and it makes it easier. Like, I don't have to make eye contact or anything. It's great. Like, you don't have to, like, deal with people. Oh, I stare people down who don't wear masks now. Yeah, well, I – uh, we, they're not required here. They're not even required in public areas, like or not in that, like not even public areas, but like stores and things, which are, I believe they're still required in LA. Like if you go into a supermarket, right? Well, they're they're actually required when you step out of the house in LA. Oh, are they? Yeah, okay. they put a whole yeah. Well, no, you're wearing masks as soon as you step out, and people just said fuck that because they're assholes for the most part. There's there's no such requirement here, but I, I wear one because. It's, oh, yeah. it's it's a human thing to do, and I don't want to get my parent my parents to get sick or anything. Right. But I I wear it with sunglasses and the mask. Uh, yeah. No, people can't tell where I'm looking, what kind of emotion I have. It's perfect. It's a, it's a nice little mask to cover emotions. Yeah. Exactly. It's, I wear both a literal and figurative mask. Yes. So this is the hundredth episode. Woo! The excitement. Well, well, um, you can you, you can add some um, some party noises. No. La- I'll like work on that I'm... in post. Just add some. Uh, well, I'm uh, sure it's great for you guys. I've only this is my only second time, so yeah, you know, no. like you guys have done a hundred of these. Which well, we is kind of amazing. I've actually. Oh, do not get into this. You do not do what you're gonna do. I'm not gonna do that. Don't worry. We, it, it is a yes. It's the hundredth episode. Get, yes, you're gonna get into your semantics. Uh, yes, it's the hundredth episode, but it's not the new century yet. Where we don't need. To get I, it. I'm not going there. I, I'll leave it be. We literally move. speaking, it is the Sam. He loves to get into these fights about how, like, when you hit the year 2020, it's not the new decade. He's one of the people is like, it's not the new decade until 2021, and he's Who trying. Cares? To pu- he's trying to pull this shit for the <laughs> podcast, and it doesn't mean anything because it literally is episode 100. Just because on I one, text you that it's... we're on 100. Okay. We're on 100. We made it to 100. So, and, and well, I well technically, Sam, it's your second. It's only my 98th. So because I missed two, uh, so you and I together made it 100. There you go. True, but also, I mean, what you have been the only one, Hugh, that's been on every episode, right? This is true. Yes. So it's more- yeah, we 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 tried to teach a capuchin to press the same buttons, but we I haven't got the training down yet. You know. The poo on the camera didn't help, I'm assuming. Actually, poo on the camera is better than what I'm looking at right now. You Fair, fair. I have moved back, though. So, But yeah. today's episode, we decided we're going to dive into a little bit of a deep dive on Bloodsport via the suggestion of Sam, you know. It's just random, but yeah, I know that you like the movie, well, well, so I like do the, I. I love that you rewatched it. That's fun. As uh, we got into uh, in our drop drop zone drop zone, I, I already drop forgot zone. the name. Yes. Um, when we get into deep dives of movies, obviously I don't watch them. But in this case, I've seen Bloodsport so many times, I don't need to rewatch it. Like I could pretty much re redo the movie like 
Not well, maybe line for line, since I'm get, I'm guessing the script didn't have a lot of dialogue. No, there's not that much talk because there's not much talking in it. Not really. I mean, the majority yeah. of the talking was the reporter played by uh, what is it, Leah Ayers? Leah or Ayers, Ayers? Yes. I don't know how to pronounce it, but that's how. Yeah. Who played she, um, Janice? Janice, the report, the intrepid reporter, which. Which we, we kind of joked about before. So for any listeners that have not seen Bloodsport, shame on you. It's awesome. Greatest biopic uh, ever. John, 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 Van, Jean-Claude Van Damme, by his own admission, it's his favorite movie. Of his own. I don't know. Oh, that's good to know. I don't know that. The, though given his narcissism by him saying it's his favorite of his own movies, I'm guessing he also means it's his favorite movie. I mean, Does uh, JCVD yeah, count? It, when did he say that, though? Because uh, That's a good question, actually. That is a good question. I... Um, I would or, always, you know, I, he may have. He also may have said that pre-Expendables two. I would also think Double Team so, would have been know, the front runner for that because he played two characters. Double Impact or Double Impact? Yes. He well, no, he did. He made another one called Double, Double Team, Team with, believe, uh, with Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman, yes. God. <laughs> yeah, Double Impact was the one where he played both characters. That's what I was thinking. Um, which, uh, yeah, um, the. Uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, so we we're discussing. So Bloodsport is uh, based on a true story with the the biggest of air quotes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it's it's based on a true story in the same way I think that um, uh, Dude, Where's My Car is based on a true story, and that I'm sure at some point two stoners did forget where they put their car, and also forgot that they won a year supply of Jello pudding cups at a strip club. But at a strip club, and maybe had some some interactions with a cult. But um, oh, don't forget the aliens. That the aliens, and that probably happened. But in this case, you know, th- this one is there's there's a lot of uh, debate as to whether this movie actually happened to this man. I I started doing some research after you made a joke about like oh it's truthful, and I was like oh yeah that that there was a lot of reporting that happened in 1980s, and then they did actually find out that the uh, the what Shadoshi. Shidoshi, yeah, the, the sensei. The, the sensei. The teacher. Uh, was actually a real person. And yes. the time did check out. Modern technology. The, but the, yes, the, the problem, well, there were many problems. But yeah, the, <laughs> Los Angeles Times did like a, an in-depth, I guess some reporter there was just like, you know, it's screwed. I'm going to look into this. John Stewart, I think his name was. Was it? Yes. Yeah, uh, but they couldn't really find, I mean, basically they were trying to find if A, it was a true story, B, if if there really is a kumite, an underground fighting tournament where people can fight to the death, um, and the, the L.A. Times really couldn't find much, Mo- I, but because clearly this John Stewart or whatever his name is is not as intrepid a reporter as Janice uh, is in the movie because she found it. She talks she about found, she she found the kumite. She dropped the name kumite a lot. I should have kept yeah. the tally on how many times she just said kumite. What's a fun word? I, I between that and shidoshi, I'd, I'd say those all the time. I mean, there's a song where like the chorus is kumate. kumate. <laughs> fun aside, uh, I just because I looked it up. Not that I know a lot about the background of Leah Aris, the woman who plays Janice, the intrepid reporter in the movie. She starred in the short-lived uh, reboot of the Brady Bunch from 1990s that was called The Brady's and it had the entire original cast including Robert Reed who played Mr. Brady he hadn't died yet them grown up like so all the Brady kids had their own kids and the show was called The Brady's it only lasted five episodes Leah Aries was played um, um, Marsha 
because the real real Marsha, uh, Maureen McCormick, did not want to come back for the show. Fair. So uh-huh. if you can track down this show called The Brady's, Janice from Bloodsport plays Marsha. Things we are learning. Yeah. There you go. I think that's why she looked familiar. I mean, that hair was unfortunate, but I mean, that it was, was the 80s. It, it was a 1988 hairstyle. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Like, like a younger, cuter Joanna Kearns. Oh. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. That's not a name I would, okay. I would have popped up with in my head. but No, I totally Well, she looks her. like her. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Well, I mean, I guess I have the advantage because I just rewatched it. I, ha- I literally hadn't seen it in like 20 years. I, I, also... I did the same this morning. That was my... Uh... Oh, you, you rewatched it? Yeah, of course. Was it from the Blu-ray copy that I got you for your birthday or for Christmas one year? Oh. You what? what? She got me a video. She got me a copy of it. A Bloodsport? Uh, yeah, there is a no. You got me Pretty in Pink, and she got you got me a double feature Pretty Pink and Breakfast Club. I, I think. Oh, that's a hell of a double feature. Wait, me? No, yeah. I wouldn't have gotten you something that girly. Oh, so <laughs> you would have absolutely gotten me something that girly. Yeah, but I think I got you Bloodsport, and I think it was like a double feature with something else. Mm. Was it with Bloodsport too? Is there a Bloodsport 2? There's there's not only a Bloodsport 2, Hugh. There is Bloodsport 2, Bloodsport 3, and not called Bloodsport 4, but the fourth one is called Bloodsport The Dark Kumite. Oh. And in all three in all three sequels, 2, 3 and Dark Kumite, the it, it's not a it's basic, you know, it's he's not playing Frank Dukes. It's a different char- it's a different person, but the same actor plays the, that lead in all three. His name he's a he's a uh, a Swiss martial artist named Daniel Bernhardt. And if you actually look at the cover art for, for all three movies, they probably hired him because he looks a lot like Van Damme. Yeah. And strangely enough, the um, not all three are about Akumite. They're just about this guy who, who lands himself in fights and things. But um, we were, Sam, we were discussing because the whole you prefer Mr. Miyagi to the Shidoshi in Bloodsport, Shidoshi Tanaka, um, Pat Morita plays a character in Bloodsport 2, 3, and Darkumite. He's not the he's not the, the teacher, but he's in all three. That's interesting. Go figure. Hey, wasn't Sasha Mitchell in one of those, or did I make that up? Sasha that was Mitchell Kickboxer. was in Kickboxer, Kickboxer 2. The other basically plot... The <laughs> Kickboxer? I don't know which came out first. I don't recall. But Bloodsport and Kickboxer have not only a near-identical plot, the only difference is that in Kickboxer... His friend is played by um, his brother. Well, no, in kick, in, yes, I'm sorry. Bloodsport. It's uh, Ray. The character, his friend, is Ray Jackson, who's played by Donald Gibb, aka Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds. Yes. And in in Bloodsport, that friend is killed. In Kickboxer, the person is his brother, who gets into the fight, and his and his brother is paralyzed. Oh no, no, no! Jackson survives. Does he? Yes. Oh, he's, he's in the hospital. He's You're in right. the hospital okay. having beer. Uh, well, I've just, I've just. Totally uh, negated when I said I knew the whole movie like the back of my hand. I, no, thought, I thought I remembered him like, dying. They, th- you think he dies? Like there is oh. that moment where you know he's gotten stepped, his head stepped in on by uh, what's his name, uh, Chung Lee. Chung Lee, or Chong yeah. Lee, Chong Lee, and Chung Lee, and then the bad guy in Kickboxer's name is Tong Po. Yes. Also can't forget it. And what was it? Um, a Kickboxer did come second. They were back to back years of eighty eight and eighty nine. Oh okay. 
So well, kickbox a bloodsport far superior movie, but kickboxer does have the all time greatest scene that's that keeps popping up on the internet of, of when Van Damme's dancing drunk in the Oh in the yes. That is a far superior scene to anything in Bloodsport, but overall Bloodsport far better movie. I mean the wh- who, who which one do you think has the better training kind of sequ- uh, you know montage? Tra- oh, well, the uh Bloodsport but I actually looked this up, and so I don't know. I, I don't know how to verify this fact, but it is a fun fact about Bloodsport. The entire flashback scene where where uh, where our, our lead Frank Dukes learns how to fight is when he broke into Shidoshi Tanaka's house because as a young rap scallion, and then basically was trained to fight to be a better person. Um, he that entire flashback training scene is 10 minutes and 57 seconds long yeah like that whole scene and it's considered the longest flashback scene in the history of cinema which i don't know how you can verify that because it's very hard i don't know how you necessarily divine de- define how long like a flashback scene since so many movies are not told linearly like so many movies like like every tarantino movie is told it dif- you know the time moves all over the place right so i don't know how you exactly say call it quote unquote a flashback scene but it is known as the longest flashback scene in movie history well like how do you like attest for like stuff like lost exactly like, no, exactly things first that aren't seasons are are flashbacks aren't told linear or hell you could what about well this they do specifically say cinema but hell the whole, like a show like this is us is it, it jumps all over a timeline yeah but know? if you talk about movies like what's that one with Tom Cruise. Um, they changed the name of it. No, they changed the name of it, and I keep forgetting. Vanilla Sky. Oh, the no, the, the one the, with Emily Blunt. The one where he keeps dying, oh. coming back to. I forget what it was. The original name was stupid. Then they rechanged it to something that sounded better. Something like death. Something about something death. Wash repeat. Death like, something repeat was yeah, yeah but yeah. It, but it, it originally was called something. Which else. is a exactly. really underrated movie, by the way. It's really good. Yeah. I don't even like yeah. Tom Cruise. Like I, I kind of. Have, has I've just written him off a lot, and so slowly I've been watching some of his movies, and I hear the the newer franchises of Mission Impossible is really good. Oh, they're, fa- they're fantastic! The latest one, Fallout, was really really good. Edge yeah, of, I heard it's really good. Edge of Tomorrow is what it was called. Yes, which is dumb. And then because there's a TV show called <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow. It was just it sounds yeah it's, it's it's just a cheesy. And then what did they re what did they rename it? Working on that. Give me a second. It is something die repeat, which is literally what the movie's about. Like, live die repeat. Something li- that could be it. Live die repeat. I don't know. My Wi-Fi is awesome right now, so. No, oh, well, well, yeah. So yeah. No, I think um, I think I think you might have gotten it. Right there. Uh, live die repeat. That was it. There you go. Well done. Live die repeat colon edge of tomorrow. Uh, oh, well, that's the that's even more. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't know why. I just they were supposed to make a sequel for it, so, but they never got to it. I guess. Well, everything's on the back burner now. A little bit, a little bit. I'm sure there's some people doing COVID movies, getting Pandemic 15 ready. Oh, well, uh, Michael Bay is already producing. A, he's he's got one in the works that they're going to start shooting already. Oh, it's, right. It's not COVID related. They just call it a pandemic. I yeah. think it's called like Bird Song or something like that. He's playing. He's gonna like shoot it in like five weeks. Something like that. And he's that. gonna shoot it via an iPhone, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, it's been there. It's being compared, but based solely on his description to like Cloverfield, things like that that are right. shot like yeah, very point of view, very found cheap. footage ish yeah. type stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And because it's Michael oh. Bay, well, 
Well, it's I don't know how Michael Bay is going to do that. Give I, I don't know how he's going to do his sweeping helicopter camera shots with a with an iPhone. That's going to be hard. So yeah. I didn't realize that um, Edge of Tomorrow was directed by Doug Liman, which is great. I mean, really, it says that basically it's you know in pre production, but it's live, die, repeat, and repeat. That's the new title. Uh, the next one. That's funny. <laughs> that's Doug Liman. Wow, he he's he's had quite a career. Yeah, dude. Um, Swingers, go like go. Was, go was one of my the most underrated films of the '90s, in my opinion, or maybe it's early 2000s. Go, I don't know. Go, go is fantastic. I need to rewatch that sometime. Timothy Oliphant, man. Timothy Oliphant, he well, the, the well, person, favorite person from Modesto, California. <laughs> Thank you. George Lucas was the first one, Sam. Yeah. Well, we he kind of bastardized us, and he uh, hates Modesto, so we don't really count him as. Okay, then you're you're one, and Timothy Oliphant's one one a. <laughs> um, it, 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 have you have you seen the girl next door, Sam? Like with the uh, with. There's uh, a character with my name on it, and they totally mispronounce his name. Change student. <laughs> I forgot. They call him something like Sam Yang or something. I'm like, that's not how you pronounce it at all, but whatever. I forgot there was a Cambodian exchange student. But the, uh, much like in Go, Timothy Oliphant's the best part of of Girl Next Door. And I'm almost positive he's playing the same character. Like, I think they exist in the same world because he's playing the exact same character. Except in Go, he's a drug dealer. And in Girl Next Door, he's a porn producer. Which is a logical move, like, job-wise, too. Yeah, absolutely. Come on. Like he dresses and talks exactly the same. I I have to watch Go again. I haven't seen that since college. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, I remember at the time it was they got a lot of shit for it because it 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 can't. People thought it was like Pulp Fiction light. Right. Like Pulp. It was like they didn't use. I don't think the term millennial existed in nineteen ninety eight or two thousand. Whenever it came out when we were in college. I don't think the term millennial was used yet. No. But like, but basically what they called it was pulp fiction for millennials because and the only reason that they, they even had that any sort of comparison was because it was told as vignettes that are not linear but like it had nothing to do with pulp fiction there was no similarity it's i enjoyed a, it no it's got a good cast i mean it, what was the other movie that came out with james vanderbeek around that same time uh well there's rules of attraction that's the one i'm thinking of that was a little bit later uh, i think sam's frozen oh. um I believe you're right. That or she's moving really slowly. I think she's frozen. Fro- oh. Frozen Sam out. Uh, well, we had a good run with Sam. We had a good. We had a good one in a. Well, first of all, Hugh, you still haven't introduced the pod. We're like we're like twenty. We're, we're, we are now twenty minutes in. What happened to us? Yeah. Twenty-two minutes in. Twenty-three as as this uh, kicks um, off. So which I well which it's I'd like to re- rebrand it as um is now it's the free ball an hour with not Nate not Nate and Sam, and based on Sam's reaction I think she agrees because she's just staring. She is um, indeed just oh, and oh she'll be no. coming back in a sec. Um yeah big hundredth episode Sam Sim back by popular demand. Yes we're halfway through our blood sport. Yeah situation yeah. there. Yeah, that's uh, uh, yeah. That well, you know, the people that were listening knew that it, knew who we were, and if they listened last week, they knew who Sam was. Yes, but um, yeah, and that was me just assuming everyone listened to last week. So um, I think everybody did. I think everybody probably should have if they didn't. Right. But you know, until we get Sam back, and if not, that we had a good um, we had a good uh, you 
know, 80 minutes with her over the last two weeks. It was delightful. Yeah, it has been. Like, she gave us great material, such as uh, Bloodsport, to yeah, she, she go gave deep us, dive. She, she gave up. Oh, okay. Welcome back. So, I have a PC for work, and yeah. the blue screen of death happens every so often, which just happened. I am not a big fan of it. I haven't had that for years because I've been on a Mac. Right. So, I apologize. So, I'm Do- doing on my phone for now sam we just reintroduced you anyways on the pod nate noted yeah. that i hadn't introduced the podcast yeah, it's a, it's for 23 25 minutes, minutes. So. hopefully anybody listened last week hopefully recognized your voice and i feel like i've referred to you as sam a few times already true but yeah when that one now it's a, it's a still shot of you again it's that's a <laughs> I, it's a very glamorous picture sam i like it is, is that your headshot okay. going on there thanks yeah i think so i, I had it done for an old job so very professional very professional oh, shall we go back into the 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 blood sport the pseudo oh because we were talking about the flashback and how that led us to the tangents we did go through did you guys notice when he was a kid that he was wearing the giants gear but it was like the san francisco yeah. giants and then the new york giants like t-shirt jersey whatever i was like oh poor he was con- supposed to be the all-american kid man yeah that's, but, that's... i mean if you're going to go with one team, it's just might as well all be wearing, like, I guess, San Fran stuff. Well, friends, maybe he, like, moved from New York and then he went to San Francisco. Well, for, you know, he has a whole backstory for his childhood, I imagine, because his accent, he still had his, has an accent, right? Yeah, he made no Kinda effort to, to try to be, be, be in a play in American. Or I'm Canadian, sure actually. How... Oh, yeah. yeah. Frank Dukes is from Toronto and then he moved to California. That's where he met his. Shidoshi. Is Shidoshi, right? Um, and he claims, uh, the real Frank Dukes claims that he really was, did the, the, that, the, uh, the tree trick that got him how to, to do the splits. Oh, yeah. he, cla- he claims that his real Shidoshi did that, but it's, uh, which is essentially, if you've not seen the movie, he's basically nearly drawn and quartered in order to get him to teach him how to do the splits, which seems like a really harsh way to teach that. Like, it, it looks painful. Yeah. It's pulling you apart, essentially. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I can barely touch my toes, so what am I... Uh, no, I can't even touch my toes. Well, barely my ass. Not surprising. It's not surprising at all. Thank you. Yeah. I should be working on that. You know what really... What really sucks about Google Meet the app is that there's no way for me to see you guys both at the same time. It's just whoever is talking pops up. Just throwing that out there for the app version. Oh really? There's no yeah. yeah. Well, it's luckily, lame. I, mean, I haven't really figured it out. I literally just downloaded it just now, but I don't think there's any like view to see both people. Well, luckily, I talk um, way more than I should, so you'll just be seeing me most of the time. This is true. Yeah. yeah. But um, so some of the things that I wanted to note about the film is that the typical '80s music oh, "Fight to God. Survive" is amazing. Oh yeah. Oh and yes. It's almost as good as um. Higher and higher from Wet Hot American Summer. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is as good as higher and higher. Nate and I have, have had many conversations about this song because it's literally just a parody of all the like eighties like oh my god you know, fighting yeah. music and like uh, you know like I Have the Tiger and all that stuff. But it's well, all the that, music like, you kind of think. And if 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 we're comparing, um, you know, Shidoshi's and Sensei's, Mr. Miyagi, Shidoshi Tanaka, I think the can of cream corn is far and away the best <laughs> teacher of of a montage that's ever existed. Yeah. 
So it, you, it was a, it was a war we couldn't win. Good thing to know, but uh, Stan Bush did the music, or he was the performer of the music for the movie. Yeah, that yeah, his 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 uh, I can tell just by his vocal his vocals. It's kind of amazing because all the songs that came out. What is it for Credit? It was like the best, right? You're the best. Was that the, yeah. is that the right song? Yeah, That's the right song, right? Yeah, Credit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just. I don't know. It's just something so good about it. A part of me is like, oh, I need to add like "Fight to Survive" onto like my like running list playlist or something because well, it's so good. Yeah. The the that's not even the best Karate Kid song, Sam. Glor- Peter Cetera's "Glory of Love" from Karate Kid Part Two. Right, but that's like a slower song. Yeah, that was more yeah. the ballad that they played over the credits. It wasn't the montage song. Yeah, for sure. like it's not like one of those like, hey, like rev up and fight like fight songs. That oh, I the, get I get pumped the cheesy up by, movies. by "Glory of Love." I, I that's what I, <laughs> that's what I run to every day is 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 Peter. It's an all Peter Cetera playlist. Isn't that when they go to the temple? Yes. And yes. like you should do your Wait, temple it, dance thing there. Wait, is it just Peter Cetera? Or is it Chicago too? Like? It was him solo. It was him solo. I don't know if she no, was... but like your your playlist. Like, do you oh, include Chicago oh, as well? A, yeah. Um, well, uh, the only Chicago I, I get away from you're the inspiration because it's a little cliche. Um, but I have I, I do have Glory of Love by Peter Cetera and Look Away by Chicago. Oh, um, Look Away is really good. If you see me walking, you're the inspiration. By, you're the inspiration. Yeah. Okay. Did we do that um, one for karaoke one time? You're the inspiration? Yeah. Probably. Huh. Yeah, probably. Um, I love uh, the Bolo Young who plays Chong Lee, the oh, villain. Oh, fantastic. Villain. Who also, he was also the villain in Double Impact, yep. getting back to the other one. He wasn't the main villain. He was like the henchman of the villain. But he is a, he's an intimidating man. He was a... His uh, boobs I, are intimidating, man. Yeah, he was Terry Crews before Terry Crews in terms of the dude could flex his pecs like none other. He was a big bodybuilder. And he, he was 10 times in a row Mr. Hong Kong in the 60s. Yeah, I can see that. And, and he, was, uh, he was in um, Enter the Dragon. Yes, Bruce he Lee. Was, he, yes. was, he, he was a very accomplished martial artist and, um, and bodybuilder. And he even had a callback to Enter the Dragon in Bloodsport when, uh, when, when Jean-Claude Van Damme, our hero, does the dim mock death touch where he has to break the brick. Uh, which I'm learning to do, by the way. I'll have it ready by next week. Okay. Um, he breaks the brick, and then Chong Li from from up on the, the the up on the platform says, "Brick don't hit back." Uh, you know, being like, "Yeah, you can break a brick, but I'm going to break you." Uh, it was it was his version of Ivan Drago's I'll, "I will break you." Right. Um, but that is a callback to Enter the Dragon because the scene. Um, um, Bolo Young's scene in Enter the Dragon, he's breaking wood like pieces of wood and Bruce Lee says to him uh like something like boards don't hit back. Right. So that was like a callback yeah. to the old movie. Interessante. Yeah. yeah. And and I don't know if you've looked up Bolo Young lately. He's 73, 74. He's Still looks great. 73. He's born like... in 70 I think it's 6 what 50 56 I think he was born. Still looks great. So 72. Still acting. Our our poor you know our um, our poor Joanna or uh, Leah Aries for uh, Miss um, uh, what was her name Janice 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 uh, she by all accounts by her IMDb she doesn't really act much anymore. Hmm. Well, I, yeah, I think but... a lot of actresses take you know call it a day at some point in time, depending. The the and the other evidently so the, like there were um, the whole movie they I mean. The whole movie had a budget of a million dollars, which makes perfect sense. There's not a whole lot going on there, but they didn't have any 
like basically they didn't have any stuntmen because like, basically all the other fighters were their own stuntmen. Yep. Like those were all just real fighters, which is why none of them really spoke. I guess I, I saw that only four fighters in the entire movie have lines. There's um, uh, obviously John Van Dam, like uh, Chong Li. Said, Chong, Chong Li was that his name? Chong, uh, Chong Li, yeah. Chong Li. He says like three or four different things. He barely speaks. Yes. He said, I, I remember him saying, Brick, don't hit back. And then when he kills the guy, he looks at Van Dam and says, You're next. Um, and then obviously, Ogre uh, says Rage, a lot. Rage, Ogre says a lot. And then there's the fourth one is that fighter, Hossein. Yes. I don't even th- I don't even know if they give him a name in the movie, but his name is Hossein. No, they don't. Um, because he just he's the Arab representative. Yes, he's supposed to be Middle Eastern. No, they they say his name because he's Do trying they? to pick up on on the reporter like in the bar. Oh, that's right. That is right. Uh, yeah, his his name in the movie. He defends her honor, Don Claude Van Damme, and then he asks her on a, on a date, which is so cheesy. With a coin. Oh, yeah. Coin trick. Yeah. Oh, it was a good trick. It was. Got the lady. And then she wanted to talk about nothing but the Kumite. Well, you know, she had a one-track mind. But that that actor, that he, he was supposed to be playing, quote-unquote, Middle Eastern. I mean, by, you know, that's what they, that was the look they were going for, but he's actually Filipino. Yeah, like, sounds about right. <laughs> they said that's the only, it's the only film credit he has, because he, he was a, a college student where, where, where they were filming it, and he just, he basically went out for an ad because he needed money. So that's the only movie he's ever been in. Got a pretty big role for his, his I, only I mean, role, considering he's not an actor. It, well, you can tell he's not an actor, kind of. Well, thing. you can tell most of them aren't actors. I mean, the fights, the fighters did good, good work, even with the le- the leg break one. That guy. My favorite fighter was the one, and it's uh, delicate to say the one who he was like the monkey. He like fought like a monkey. The African. He, well, yes, but that's why it's delicate to say as such because he was a black man, but and... he literally fought with the mannerisms of a monkey. Like that was yeah. his fighting style. He, he yeah, jump on unique. the tree, break coconuts yeah, he with jump, his hands. He, he jump and flip around, and like that was you know obviously you know you, that yes, but yeah. that, he was he, he was fun. I don't know that character's name. I don't know if he had a name. I, I don't know if he did either. He could have just been like there was a lot of just guys named Fighter, so. I remember as a kid, even probably, and I'd think it again now if I saw it, remember thinking how unbelievably comfortable the ref's uh, uniform looked. He was wearing like a silk robe. Oh, yes. That thing looked, and that, you know, that's how, that's how when, when Chong Lee blinds him with, what the, with that mystery powder. Right. Um, you know, when he, he throws the ref at him, and of course our, our hero Frank Dukes knows that it's a ref right away because he's grabbing silk, a handful of very beautiful silk. Yeah. I mean, how did nobody see that? Like, it was a whole bunch of powder, and it went to his eyes, and all of a sudden he couldn't see and was rubbing his eyes, like, furiously. Like, I don't understand how nobody saw that. How how about how, I mean, Van Damme really got to flex his acting range in that scene when he's blind. That was, um, he was showing emotion, like, legit emotion. He was, yeah, he was. And they said, uh, I, I guess I saw he, um, you know, his uh, Van Damme has two trademarks, which I always loved. I always, from, from all his movies, I loved as a childhood. One trademark is obviously he has to do the splits. Evidently in Bloodsport, he did the splits seven times. Uh, and then he, he does his trademark roundhouse kick. That's, that's like, that he does in every single movie. It's like his finishing move. And it's like, it's a jumping roundhouse kick, but he pulls the other leg out. So it looks like a helicopter. 
And um, the real Frank Dukes, who was the fight coordinator on the movie, said that he hated having to put that in the movie because he said that that would not that type of kick would not do any damage, even though it was Van Damme's like trademark in all his movies. So Frank Dukes was Frank Dukes talked a lot of shit about Van Damme, like you know, in interviews later, he's like, yeah, he wasn't a very good fighter. I had to train him pretty hard. Uh, that's because of the lawsuit. Because they wrote the quest together, which is essentially Bloodsport, just with Roger Moore, and based in uh, God, the early nineteen twenties, I want to say. I'm guessing. I remember. I remember that. So that's probably why he doesn't uh, care. And I love the the. I I guess I get it, but you know, like this. So in this movie, the Kumite, the underground tournament, is is set in Hong Kong. But Frank Dukes has said himself. He said the Kumite is actually in the Bahamas. Yeah, the one he won. The one he won allegedly in 1975 took place in Nassau, the Bahamas, which would not have been quite as occasion, I think, as that would have been closer to the quest. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Like yeah, like making it in Hong Kong made it seem like. I don't know, cooler. It well, it gave it like because of the time, not really many people had seen Hong Kong outside of you know martial. Well, I guess yeah, it was a different time. Like, nope. you know, we don't get a good take of good take of it then. No internet, whatever. It's just like oh, get a little movie based in it. And you're like oh, there's a lot of back alleys in Hong Kong. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, well, uh, I feel like he, there was an accurate portrayal of China in Big Trouble Little China, even though that was Chinatown in San Francisco. Yes, very much. I agree with you. <laughs> I assume. Completely. I assume that's what China's like, Sam. If you correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know. If, I don't know if you've been, but I assume that I've never been. I assume that that's what it's really like. I don't think anyone's <laughs> going anytime in the near future either. That's a, that's a lie. Wow, we um, that uh, that was a unique experience seeing that in the theater a few years ago. That uh, that was a good time. Yeah, it makes it, you realize uh, don't see that in the theater. To be honest, it does. Uh, I, well, luckily we saw it with an audience that was there that knew was well. I don't think there were any first. There might have been a first time viewer in that audience. Like somebody brought a significant other and was like, "You have to see this movie." But I think I feel like most of us who saw Big Trouble in Little China in the theater knew that it was not a good movie. Right, it's a like, fan. So, it's definitely not. We, like it's a great. The one liners are the best. Oh well, the I mean he's awesome. Jack Bird. Like he, you know, oh. yeah, like Kurt Russell's awesome, but everybody, nobody else can act. I guess Lo Pan was pretty good, but like, my God, somehow they, Kim Cattrall, who I think, I mean, you could argue whether or not she's a good actress. She, I mean, she plays Samantha well, but like, she was awful in Big Trouble in Little China. And she was also awful in Mannequin, as a, you know, a callback to our last week discussion of Mannequin. She was a terrible actress. Maybe she just was a terrible actress and, and got better. I don't know. All these things are possible. Well, I think it was a direction. I think it was a direction because I don't think that they really focused on the female characters in these movies, to be perfectly honest. Um, but she always had to be the, you know, what's that that word for the person that has all the exposition that explains everything in the movie to people? Oh. Like, like oh, Lopan, he's the leader of the blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, she, like, yeah. has to explain everything to all the people that don't know, you know, anything about what's going on. Like, that was her role. So she, I don't know, like her acting wasn't directed very well. I don't think she was that great of an actress back then, but she played that role. It's like the Ellen Page in Inception, right? Like she just serves as a purpose to be like, hey, this is what's happening. And I'm going to tell you what's going on (laughs) because you guys are probably really confused, you know? Um, 
there's a word for that type of um, person in a film hmm. and it's, it becomes kind of like annoying, but she's, I, I feel like in that movie in particular, she's supposed to be naive and she's supposed to be like, I don't really know what's going on because her friend is also in that role, but, but Kim Cattrall kind of gets wrapped up into it because she has green eyes randomly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, she gets captured and apparently like, a white girl with green eyes is totally okay to like have her blood sucked out by some weird Chinese man so he can live forever. Um, I don't see a yeah. problem with that. I don't. Uh, I get it. Yeah. And I and I I already feel terrible um, saying that nobody could act in that movie except for Kurt Russell when clearly Egg Young was the best character in the movie. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean he was all aw- he was awesome. So I, I apologize. You know Rest how in peace. I believe he's dead. It wasn't until I got the DVD for that movie that I ever saw the beginning of the movie. Seriously? Yeah, because I never saw him do the electric shock thing himself. And I'm like, because it just, I always caught it when the truck was going. So I missed the cop, like, you know. Oh, yeah. So technically, that whole movie is a flashback. Oh, yeah, I guess so. So that would be the longest flashback in cinematic history. Just, or, would it be a flashback? I don't know, whatever. whatever I'm just... Are they still talking about doing the reboot? Um, It has died off. I still think that The Rock doing Big Trouble in Little China will be better now i have more faith in it mm, yeah i guess well, i don't think they can get away with all the things that they got away with no, with asian no, people no. in the 80s um i mean uh, even just growing up like i i liked it just because there was a lot of asian people in it I, like i gravitate towards those films because they weren't really represented you know weren't represented in those types of films in the 80s or, or any films but those are the specific types of films that they were represented so they were usually cheesy um, usually involved fighting, you know, and it had yeah. all the stereotypical triads and gangs and all that other stuff that, like, you would kind of assume that Asian movies would be about. So um, I was totally fine with it just because I'm like, hey, at least there's some representation and there's, yeah. like, there's Asian people on screen. But now, though, I don't think that that would fly. No. Oh, and I, I'd also, excuse me, I'd like to issue a retraction of my retraction. There was another good actor in the movie. Uh, I don't even think he had any lines, but he's the actor who played Genghis Khan in uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. He was play- he was like one of the he was in the Red Gang. Yes. Um, and he, I don't know if that character even had a name because he didn't have any lines. But also I, in I, Die he, Hard. Nate. Yes. Yes. I have to. I'll have to actually let me let me see if he actually was credited. But I mean, obviously his role as Genghis Khan um, in, in Bill and Ted was was his career highlight. Oh, very much. Well. When, I- when he conquers the Ottomans' uh, sporting goods store, that was a good scene with the the chest protector and yeah. the baseball bat. Um, is that? Oh, speaking of that, is that uh, by all accounts, Bill? The third Bill and Ted is still scheduled to come out. This uh, Bill and Ted Face know. the Music is still coming, it, August twenty first. Um. Okay. Just well, so. if theaters exist, then. That that would be one I'd be willing to give to risk it all to go to a theater to see. Agreed. Well, I think I think that they're slowly gonna unroll, and I think that a lot of the films that were supposed to open in July are still on the slate because um, Tenet's still on the slate, which is one of the films that I really want to see in theaters. It's a new Christopher Nolan. I saw um, yeah, I saw something when I was I was searching for something built. Yeah, is that with a uh, Pattinson? Yes, I think so. Hmm. Twilight guy. I think. Yes, yes, and Batman. <laughs> And the new Batman. Oh, yeah, Batman. So, but um, I, I, I think that, you know, those films that are that have either moved or have been on the slate for July are, are staying there. 
for now. But I mean, I don't know how they're going to roll this out. Like, is it going to be like half capacity? Is it, is, is it even worth it to go to a theater for like three hours? Because Christopher Nolan films are so long. Like, are you going to be wearing a mask that entire time? Like, I don't, I don't really know how that's all going to shake out. I mean, it's one of those films that I really definitely want to see in theaters, but it's fine. I would assess, I, guess. I, I don't, would, I don't know. I would walk in with a mask, assess out the room. If it's not that crowded, I'd probably take off the mask. Uh, I always enjoy going to the morning movies, but the way I work, it's kind of like, oh, there's a movie at ten. I'll go there, go for my two hours, and then shoot home and do work. Because who am I answering to, really? Yeah, you, it's nice to have a flex schedule. I'm jealous. Uh, I'm yeah. je- well, I can't do that, unfortunately. Maybe on the weekends. Uh, I mean, morning, morning. I like daylight, daytime films, especially like with children, because they're so freaking loud. So they can get all that out and they could talk at the screen and everything. I usually take Kira to like one of the earlier showings, like 10 or 11. Aren't there like kids' shows on Sundays kind of they thing? They talk. Yeah, they like talk all the time. And like kids don't care if other people are in the theater. It's kind of funny. Like, I don't really watch the movies per se, but if it's actually a good film, like, I'll, I'll pay attention. Um, but I think the last one that I saw in theaters with her was Dora, and she, like, was a little bit too young for it. And that was my fault because one of her friend's older siblings wanted to see it, and it was live action. So I'm right. not going to do live action for a while. She's still not really warm to that. And um, stick with cartoons but you know we watched trolls world tour here at home and she like loved it and it was like the worst film ever oh god <laughs> and that... i can't i feel bad saying that because i work for that company but um it wasn't very good well no it wasn't well, that bad was, for you that was the one that they're saying might break the, the movie theater model because it did so well but, but yeah, i think but that there's a lot of things that... that that was in our favor because it was a kid's film like i don't think they're going to do it for like anything like fast and furious or anything like that by any means because it's such a movie-going experience for adults, I think that they were they were able to capitalize on that the fact that there was no new movies out. Um, parents were like dying for new new films because like you know kids rewatch the same shit over and over again. <laughs> like let's watch Frozen two again, you know, because Disney Plus up like they they moved their releases up during quarantine. Like Frozen two, I don't think was supposed to come out at that time if i remember correctly a lot of like star wars stuff movies that came out weren't supposed to come out during that time but they they kind of rushed it onto disney plus didn't they release onward onto disney plus instead of doing it theatrically yeah well it it was theatrically. yeah it it, It it had like a week it had like a week of theaters before everything shut down which really screwed it because about about, i've heard it's very very good i heard it's good but i heard it's like a really interesting concept so i don't know if a lot of kids would like it because you know like the dad comes back as like a half body or something like that from what right. i gather from the trailer it's like how do i explain that to my kid i mean she's five but if she was older like sure i think that older kids would totally like it but i don't really know what the box office results were for that but you know it really pissed off amc theaters so yeah. like nbc universal is having you know it's there's it's going to be an ongoing thing but i think that at the time like i kind of agree with them because um how else are they going to recoup that money you know, like they're already slated to come out. You might as well like release it in, at homes. A lot of people bought it because there was no new content coming out during that time. So whatever, like it is what it is. It's, you know, whatever happened in the quarantine. I don't know if they'll ever do that again. Um, if if the theaters were open, if the theaters weren't open. I think they'd probably continue it for like the family films. But like I said, Fast and Furious, I really doubt that Universal is going to like release that in VOD. Onward no. br- brought in 103 worldwide. 
In that opening weekend? Yeah. Must have been. I mean, it was only in the theater for like a week, so it must have been. So. Wow. Oh, and uh, just an update, guys. Um, Genghis Khan from Bill and Ted. I just looked him up. His real name is Al Lung. Uh, his character name nice. in Big Trouble in Little China was Wing Kong Hatchet Man. So, no, he did not have a character. Uh, but more, more interesting to me, his birth date, September 30th, 1962, born in St. Louis, Missouri. There yes. You, there you go. He's a fellow Mo man. It, and he also, uh, he, strange enough, also had a role in um, the movie I always used to get the names confused in Showdown in Little Tokyo. Or, um, yeah, Showdown in Tokyo, the Brandon Lee movie, which was had of, you know, there was Big Trouble in Little China and Showdown in Little Tokyo. Wait, is that and the one I, with Dolph Lundgren? Um, I don't remember. Uh, I just remember it was one of Brandon Lee's, like, three starring roles before he died. Besides The Crow. He was in The Crow, he was in Rapid Fire, and he was in Showdown in Little Tokyo. It is the one with Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. Where it's like they're the polar opposites of one another. Like, Dolph Lundgren takes the Japanese culture very seriously. And it would... <laughs> do you not remember this one at all, Sam? No. Not a, not a big fan no, of... No, I remember... But... No, I remember watching it. I think I have definitely seen it. I just don't remember it because it's. I haven't seen it since. It obviously didn't leave an impression. I can. It makes sense. Tia Carrera was in it as well. Cassandra. Yes. Oh. oh wow. What happened to her? Because I mean, I know that she got married to some dude, and he like messed up her career or something, which as, happens often, unfortunately. As they do. Um. Yeah, which is too bad because I felt like she was really like cool girl you know like i could be friends with her type thing because in the world um i mean she's been working recently a little voiceover stuff here and there she was in blue bloods for an episode okay that's good for her she's good uh, for her she was in hawaii Five O. Two episodes was there like a big gap in in years between uh, her working though okay so she was awesome in true lies oh fantastic one of the one of the better on-screen deaths of all time when she was in the limo that fell off the bridge. Uh, what was her? I actually just watched that movie for the first time a few months ago. For the first time? <laughs> for the first yeah, time? Yeah, I don't remember watching it at all. Because I remember when it came out. But I don't remember watching it because I think I was too young. Or maybe, I don't, wait, what year was that? Oh, 90. I think that I might have gotten Six, over maybe? Arnold maybe Schwarzenegger. So I'm just like, yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I still haven't seen Last Action Hero. That one you should see. Last, I was gonna, just going to compare them. That one, those two are what, like movies where he's just kind of making fun of himself. True Lies was ninety four. Ninety four. Yeah, so I was working at the video store at the time. So I worked at the video store like in high school, and my my uncle owned a video store. It's a tiny little one in Modesto, and it was great because, you know, I basically got to watch free movies all the time. And that came out, and it was like a big deal. And I'm like, everybody was running it. I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of over him. So I just stopped watching a lot of his mm. stuff. I heard it was I mean, good. Was, what, what, yeah. The um, no, True Lies. That's uh, True Lies is part of the reason why um, it, I, you can never speak badly about Tom Arnold to me. Like, is all the stupid, crazy things he may do in real life. Like, he is so good in that movie that I will always love him. <laughs> that's so right. He was so. really good in that movie. That was like... And he was fantastic in the movie. Yeah. And they were going to make a sequel. And, um. Were that yeah they were and working they, on it and then September 11th happened and then they stopped making it. 
Huh. It's also um, of all the you know of all you know the um, uh, James Cameron would would put Bill Paxton in all his movies of all the, his of all the James Cameron movies. I think that's my second favorite Bill Paxton behind only um, uh, Hudson. 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 Or was it Hicks? Hicks was Michael Biehn, right? Yeah. In, in Aliens. Yes. Uh, the yeah, Game Over, man. Game that over. that whole thing. Oh, but his role, his role in uh, True Lies was fantastic. Oh, it was. Like the, the 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 skeezy car salesman. Fake fake spy. Yeah, fake spy car. Or was he a car? Yeah, he, used he car was a used car salesman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he would take the. Oh. the he was Corvette. like using all those cheesy lines on her. It's so yeah. funny. And then also the, the uh, that was I think that was Liza Dushku's first movie. When as the daughter, I, I think I mean that was before Bringing On and everything. Oh, oh yeah, well yeah, she was like a a kid. She's from yeah yeah she's from Watertown, Massachusetts. Is that close to where you were from? No, well it's, I mean I lived not that far from there. My sister used to live in that town. I just huh? no. is she still with uh? Oh, uh, Rick Fox? No, I don't think so. I don't know. Okay. Scrolling down. I did not know they were dating. Oh, they, they were. And you know, kind of not an unusual couple. Just one of those ones you're like, ah, okay. It was one of her. Early- I always got her her confused with Alicia Cuthbert since we were just talking about the girl next door. Completely different people. I understand very different looks, but I always got them confused because of their first names. Yeah, um, that's fair. That's, yeah, very much so. I could see that. Um, wow, we 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 strayed pretty far from Bloodsport, but that's, we did. That's, we did. That's the whole. That's the whole point. I don't think people need to hear about Bloodsport. I, I, well, I'd hope not because I think they've all seen it and seen how great. Of, we don't need. We don't. We add elements to that movie, but the movie speaks for itself. It doesn't need its own promotion. Frankly, it's it's um, it's fantastic. Yes. You know what the most memorable part of that movie was, and I. Was- waiting for him to do it was um chong lee doing his nose thing oh yes oh yeah you know what i'm talking about yep yeah where he yeah. like he like uses his thumb and he like just like blows out of it and i for whatever reason i just remembered it and i was like waiting the entire film for him <laughs> to do it. you have to wait a while for that to happen <laughs> and then i was like wait is this the movie or is, is it in because i know he was in a lot of other movies in the 80s yeah. and I'm like was it a different movie and i was like <laughs> getting really disappointed <laughs> <laughs> everyone you just have to wait for the final fight for that to happen because i was i was right. watching that and i was like oh that like after this the pandemic i'm like ah you know that's like extra death touch on your hands at that point in time let me blow I out of my nose well i mean well i was gonna say like that was like pre-ufc stuff right like yes yeah the, the because gr- ufc used to be underground for a long time because i at the video store you know that i worked at we used to have those videos and people would run it over the time like all the young boys basically right because they they couldn't access it anywhere else and so that was like way before it i'm assuming right uh, yeah i think it was a, or like the ufc the initial thought of it was a gracie and a bunch of other guys who came up with the octagon and like where it was was essentially the kumite it was all different forms of yeah. martial arts coming in and finding out who had the best martial and like turns out brazilian jiu-jitsu won it in the first go about, uh, in the great one of the Gracies, a large family from Brazil, uh, the young right. I think it was Royce Gracie, won that. Probably. I read a treatment. They have a lot of dojos around here. They do. They well, that's because the the eldest son moved to California to get away mm-hmm. from his father and his system and created his own kind of thing up here. 
uh, on Venice, actually. Out of a garage in Venice is where the first dojo was. I read a treatment for this movie, and it was fantastic. It was 30 pages. I flew through it. I'm like, let's make this movie now. Because <laughs> it, it hooked me, like, what he was doing. And then, you know, the brother started moving up to California, and they he wasn't going to fight in this because it was like, oh, you're the most recognized. Like, let's take the smallest brother and have him fight against everyone. Like, there was a sumo wrestler in this. Uh, Ken, Sh- Ken Shamrock was in that. F- I remember one. that. There was a broken. I just, you couldn't, there was like two rules. You couldn't fish hook or gouge eyes. Gouge. Eye gouging and fish hooking, yeah. the only two rules. So, yeah. it, so, the, so it had two more rules than Kumite had. Yes, because the nut shot occurred in Bloodsport, which it was like, someone was like, oh, no, it wasn't a nut shot. It was a bladder punch. And I'm like, you just couldn't tell. I was like, Right. Oh god, yeah. He was the, f- the sumo wrestler that knocked out your favorite character, Nate. Was it the oh? Because he hugged him, but he didn't. He like bur- like he he crushed. He your... picked him up and was like hugging him, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, and he was trying to do his chops to his head, like the. Was uh... the sumo wrestler the one who Van Dam hit in the nuts? Yes. Yeah, he did the splits nuts yep. thing. Yep. Yeah, that was another thing that the real Frank Dukes was was like. Yeah, we just let him put that in it. That Rob probably would never happen. Van Dam just wanted to put that in it. Because yeah, he did that, I mean, in, set, cool he did that in several movies. In Lionheart, he hit a dude in the nuts, too. Of course. He was a fan of the nut shot. So. Yeah. Maybe we should go through the uh, Van Damme catalog at some point in time. Um, uh, I'm, I'm down. I, um, well, we have already have. One of my uh, uh, very early on uh, employees picks was Cyborg, so we've already covered that one. Right. Um, That's Ooh. funny. Street, Street Fighter. So, we should do Street Fighter. Street Fighter, but and and um, another random. Well, you could argue how how loosely based it was, but most people said the the plot, Mortal Kombat the video game was based on Bloodsport. Like they basically, the Johnny Cage character is Van Damme. I can see that. Yeah. Which is funny since Van Damme, you know, it was always are you a Street Fighter person or a, or a Mortal Kombat person? The Van Damme movie became Mortal Kombat. He had a Mortal Kombat character based on him, but then he made the real shitty Street Fighter movie. Yeah. And by shitty, I mean it was fantastic. I love Street Fighter. With, with Chun-Li. Yes. yes. The girl. Chun-Li. Yes. And Chun-Li. Yes, yes. Uh, so what was it? Was it Sonya? Was that the girl's name? The woman's name? The, you could play on, um, in, on so. Mortal Kombat? I think yes, Sonya. Yeah, 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 Sonya. Yeah, that sounds yeah. about right. And in the, in the movie, it was Bridget Wilson, wasn't it? It was in, indeed. In or Mortal Sampras Kombat. now. Yeah. It's what? Bridget Sampson. Uh, right. Uh, well, doesn't, isn't she Bridget Sampras. Wilson's, Sampras. Is, doesn't she do it hyphenated? Isn't it Bridget Wilson Sampras? I believe it is. Yeah. yeah, are they still married? Good for them. She quit acting, right? She, I mean, I don't think she acts anymore. Well, she they, they, they had that Pete Sampras money. We used to see them around UCLA all the time because Pete Sampras' yeah. sister was the women's tennis coach. So I used to I see love them Pete all Sampras the time. so much. That was like one of my first celebrity um, sightings at UCLA. Uh, yeah, I was. He I gave, was obsessed. He gave me a really evil stare, probably because I was. The, he and Bridget Wilson were sitting in like a Rolls Royce, and I was staring at her, and he like leaned over and was staring at me. I was like, "This is weird." <laughs> I mean, you're my favorite tennis player of all time, but you're married to Bridget Wilson, so I'm sorry. I'm going to look at her and not you. There you go. Well, guys, that's us. Well, thank you. Thanks well, for um, having me, guys. Well, thanks for coming on. Thank you for the and suggestion. Indul- and indulging, yeah, indulging on the blood sport. <laughs> oh, did, um, so do you have a new movie for next week, Sam? This this is basically becoming a book review podcast. So let's what 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 do we got for next week? Oh, I don't know. Um, I since I haven't seen Last Action Hero, maybe I should watch it. Oh, Actually, that would be I, that is that is a good call. 
That is one I would watch again because it's been so long, and I would totally do that. I, I'm I'm up okay. for that. I'm up. For, okay, so we're we're becoming a quickly becoming an odd movie review <laughs> podcast. But hey, let's let's yeah, go with it. Hey, we're we're living in a well. There's plenty of news, I guess. To, no, there to isn't. It's just the same discuss, news over nothing and over happy. again. No. I would rather discuss than discuss real world issues right now. I'd rather discuss 1980s martial arts films starring um, Belgian um, the, martial arts. The muscles from Brussels. All day. The muscles from Brussels. I agree. Well, now you have to you have to quarantine for 14 days because you were in the Ozarks, Nate. So just remember that. Oh my God! I have to quarantine for about 36 to 48 days. I think. I don't, it's insane. I, don't, I keep the, seeing news articles about the Ozarks, particularly. The, the things, the things you could, if you if you ever go down to the Ozarks, the things you can catch there require longer than a fourteen day uh, quarantine, and they require lots of antibiotics. <laughs> so yeah. Alrighty. All right. I'll see you guys. Bye guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>